Welcome to the Nourish Nervous System, an exploration of stress, the nervous system, and transformative self-care practices for parents and other humans through the lenses of Ayurveda, holistic coaching, somatics, herbs, and much, much more. I'm the host, Kristen Timchak. I'm a holistic life coach, Ayurvedic educator, herbalist, and mother of a tiny human. Join me for information, insight, deep thoughts, and small steps to help you nourish your nervous system. Hello, welcome and welcome back to the Nourished Nervous System. So grateful to have you here today. Today's topic is something that is near and dear to my heart and also a constant practice for me. Today's episode is all about listening. Oh, and before we begin, I just want to give you my friendly disclaimer that this podcast is purely for entertainment and educational purposes and should not be considered health or mental health advice. Anything said should not be taken as a replacement for medical, clinical, professional advice, diagnosis, or medical intervention. We can talk about people being good listeners. And generally, when we talk about this, we're talking about the process of listening to someone speak through the sense of hearing. And we all know that hearing someone and listening to someone are two different things. Anyone with a child or in a partnership knows this. But I think when someone is truly a good listener, they're listening with other senses and also with their presence. I am actively practicing becoming a better listener. And to me... This means really being present when someone is speaking to me. My mind is so full of information and advice and questions, but when I'm truly listening, my ego is quiet and I'm present to what the person is saying with their words and body language and emotions, and I'm not. And this is a really hard part. How do I articulate this? I don't have an agenda. I'm not imposing myself on them. I may empathize, but I'm being present to them and their experience. And this seems to become increasingly more difficult the closer a person is to me. Like my partner, we're so close that it can be really hard for me to truly be present when listening and not jump ahead or think I know what's best or just even think I know what he is feeling or thinking. This is one of the reasons I really love coaching. It's a constant practice of truly listening and reflecting and not about giving advice, but about really helping the person uncover their own truth. I've gone down a little interoception rabbit hole this week, and I want to share some of what I've learned with you. So there's been a lot of research in the past few years about interoception and its relation to our emotions and overall health and wellness. Exteroception is what most of us are familiar with. It's the information we receive from the outside world through our sensory organs that helps us navigate through the world. And so interoception is the information that is coming from inside of us, from your internal organs, your gut, cardiovascular system, lungs, bladder, etc., and being processed both consciously and subconsciously by the brain. And it's often what is meant when someone says listening to the body. The truth is we are always listening to our bodies, whether we are aware of it or not. Interoception could be the feeling of hunger or thirst or the urge to pee. It's the internal sensing and communication that helps keep your body in homeostasis. Your organs are communicating with your brain, and then your brain is moving you into action to eat or drink or pee or whatever you need to do with the information given. 
The information coming from your organs is helping your body take care of all the subtle behind the scenes maintenance, like modulating blood sugar levels and things like that. So those examples like like thirst, hunger, the urge to pee, they're pretty clear cut and don't leave lots of room for interpretation. What I think is really interesting is sensations or information that are conscious that can be interpreted in different ways. Like you may have a fluttery sensation in your gut, which could be interpreted as either excitement or nervousness, depending on your mind state or what's happening. If you interpret it as excitement, it may have a different effect on you emotionally and different outcomes with your actions than if you interpret it as nervousness. So to recap, neurobiological research has shown that there's a constant stream of information moving from the organs to the brain. A lot of this information never becomes conscious, but just helps to regulate the different body systems. Through the use of neuroimaging techniques, it has also been shown that some of this flow of information is also fed into the corticolimbic system, which is the prefrontal cortices, the amygdala, and the hippocampus, which basically integrate emotion and cognition. So this flow information is very likely to influence your thinking, mood, and emotions. And this is also integrated with our stress response. The stress response is thought of as a descending response. It's a reaction from an external cue that triggers the stress response. And then there's a cascade of hormones that create certain physiological responses in your body. So it's moving from the central nervous system out. And interoception is considered ascending. There's information moving from the organs to the central nervous system. And this information can exert an influence on on our feelings. So what does this all mean? I'm not totally sure. Like I said, there's a lot of research being done on interoception. And at the end of the day, research is just research and not a final word on anything or ultimate truth of any kind. Science is always changing and evolving and research should always be taken with a grain of salt. But I did see some research hypothesizing that under chronic stress, the stress axes can become dysregulated and there can be altered perception of the bodily sensations, which could then create more stress. So my interpretation of this is when you're under chronic stress and you get an email from your boss and your heartbeat gets more rapid, and as you sense that, you perceive the bodily sensation as fear or anxiety, which then creates more stress or a bigger stress reaction than what is really warranted from the situation. I actually came across one study that said that people with an acute sense of interoception of their heartbeat, they can experience more anxiety from how they're interpreting the changes in their heartbeat. And what I'm curious about, especially with the lens of neuroplasticity and mindset, is if someone is able to catch that feedback loop and work on rewiring their brain to reframe or at least give some space to the interpretation of the sensation, how that may impact them. Like, In the example of the person with the email from their boss, if they're able to become conscious of the fact that their heart is beating more quickly, and instead of going into the stress spiral, could begin to repattern to tell themselves, this is just an email, I am not in danger, to take some deeper breaths and interrupt the anxiety feedback loop. A lot of the time, so much of this is happening unconsciously. For example, we may see something that is perceived danger, like a growling dog, and before your brain can process what is happening, your body is having a stress response. It has to happen fast so that you, your body can move into action. Your body moves a lot faster than your brain does. So your heart is beating more quickly, 
your breathing is elevated. And through the process process of interoception, you notice these changes and then may have the emotion of fear. In that scenario, that could be a totally accurate response. But what about the situations that are less clear, where you could have the same physiological response for excitement or nervousness, but label it as nervousness because that is your default pattern? For me, this is where the practice of listening really comes in. And I think the groundwork for listening or the companion to listening could also be meditation because I think when our minds are so busy, it's hard to have the space to listen. I think meditation can be a really amazing practice to help create a little bit more space, create a little bit more quiet so that we can tune in and listen to our bodies more. And this could be like meditation or yoga or Tai Chi or taking a mindful walk in nature or any type of mindfulness practice, any way that we can slow down our thoughts enough to actually listen. So in my research on interoception, I mostly saw it referring to information coming from the organs, but through my experiences with somatic practices like yoga, authentic movement, and contact improvisation, I've come to a place of also listening to my whole body, to the clenching or release of muscles or the expansion or contraction of certain areas of my body. I'm going to give a recent example from my own life because it's actually what has gotten me really exploring this topic and wanting to do this episode. If you've been listening, you may know that I started this podcast while in the transition of moving across the country. Also, while moving across the country, I completed Kimberly Ann Johnson's Mother Circle facilitator training, which I've mentioned. I'm really excited to hold my first circle. If you aren't familiar with Mother Circle, it's a really beautiful eight-week dive into motherhood. And so each week has a theme class portion exploring themes like motherhood as a rite of passage, our cycles, sexuality, the nervous system, our worth, and then time to connect with the other mothers around specific questions related to that week's topic. It's deep, and I really believe in it. And I got prepared to hold my first online circle starting in October. And over the past couple of weeks, I started to notice how half-heartedly I was promoting the circle, even though I really believe in it and I'm excited to do this work. And I've had to really sit with myself. When I tuned into my body, I felt a contraction, a tightness in my chest and gut, a bit of fluttering in my solar plexus. And it was hard for me to tell if it was fear of doing this new thing for the first time or if I was feeling too depleted and needed to put it on hold until I'm more settled here. So my mind was telling me that I was just afraid, I was moving out of a comfort zone, and I needed to push through it so that I don't move too far away from the work and find it even harder to start it. My mind was also telling me that I just moved across the country and I'm settling into a new home, a new community, and trying to keep up with my podcast and self-care and the limited time I have while my son is in preschool. And I just flip-flop between these two interpretations going from, okay, I just need to push through, to I'm going to postpone it and catch up on my lifers. But I was in my mind. I wasn't actually listening or being present to my body. I felt the sensations, but I wasn't giving them space to really tell me what they wanted to tell me. I was that person when listening to a friend that it's just in their own head and giving random advice. Both sides could be true and are true to a certain extent, but I wasn't getting any clarity from my mind. And this really hit me 
when I went on a day trip with my family to a little island off the coast of Maine. It's an uninhabited island in a nature preserve. It's full of trails. It's just lovely. We parked on the bridge to the island and hiked out to a little beach where we just hung out and threw rocks in the water and played and splashed around and sat in the sun. And after being there a while and being by the ocean, which is such good medicine for me, I could feel my nervous system unwind in a way that it hasn't in a really long time. Time felt like it slowed down a bit. And I remember standing and looking out at the water for a long time. And my mind felt so calm and I felt a stillness. And in that place, without trying to figure anything out, the thought of Mother Circle came into my consciousness and I felt the flutter and the tightening the contraction, and then when I thought about postponing the circle until I'm more settled and less depleted, I felt a loosening and expansion in my gut and solar plexus and a feeling of relaxation. And it was just clear that I don't need to push right now, but I couldn't get to that place from my mind. And I had to be present and quiet to get there. So like listening to a friend, I had to put down my agendas and really listen to what was present. And when I really tuned in, to what I was feeling in my body, it was less about fear of doing something new. I mean, gosh, I've done so many new things in the past six months and more about feeling like I don't have the bandwidth or actual space to give this circle the amount of energy I think it deserves. And pushing can be a bit of a default for me and a pattern that I'm trying to untangle, but it's really, really deep. And I'll get back to listening in a second, but I just want to say something about pushing. And I think they're related because When we are pushing too hard, we may not have the space to really listen. And I think we can plow past our body signals and get into a sympathetic state or use stimulants to push through. And eventually, this can lead to chronic stress and burnout. And it's also important to recognize that we all have unique constitutions and unique imbalances. In Ayurveda, your prakriti, which is your base constitution, and your vikriti, which is your patterns of imbalance. So the effects of pushing are going to be different for every person. And so comparison is dangerous. I know as a mother and a budding entrepreneur, I can look at what other folks are doing on social media or just see how much people do, how busy they are, how much content they produce, how many activities they do with their children. And it's so easy to compare and then feel like I need to push to keep up. And everyone's thresholds are different. Someone with a kapha constitution or impeccable self-care or lots of resources may be able to push harder than someone with a vata constitution or someone suffering from chronic illness or an exhausted and under-resourced parent. And there are times that we just need to push where that is what's happening, like a big work push or moving or dealing with a crisis or doing something time sensitive. And actually, I mean, let's be real. If you're a parent or an entrepreneur or an adult adulting in the world, there's a certain level of push that's required to keep life going. And I've noticed this, especially since I've become a parent, that there just isn't a lot of time to chill and practice being a cat. But I think when we begin to listen to our bodies, we may find there are times when we can choose not to push, when we can choose to do a little less or move a little more slowly to listen. We can prioritize the areas where we need to push and let go of some things that aren't as, aren't as important. And there are cycles and seasons to everything. There are times where you may feel vital and full of energy and can take on a lot more, and times when you are more depleted, where you need to conserve and be more discerning with your energy. And if you make a practice of listening to your body, 
your body, not your mind, then you'll be able to discern these times. Flowers don't bloom all year. Blooming takes a lot of energy. It's a push. They can't do it all year. And I think when I talk about prioritizing, sometimes that might mean work. Sometimes it might mean leaving the dishes for later. Sometimes that might mean, you know, choosing to have a one-on-one lunch with a, a close dear friend, which takes a lot less energy than going out to a big party. There's just, there's different ways that we can prioritize and what's right for each person is really individual and dependent on that person. That was kind of a tangent, but maybe someone out there needed to hear that. Back to listening. Another way I use listening to my body is with what I take into my body in terms of food and herbs and supplements as well. If you think back into history to the time before we got our food nicely packaged with all the ingredients listed in it, if you think of yourself as a biological creature that you are, if you were eating foods you found in the landscape, it'd be really beneficial to be able to sense how certain foods make you feel in order to decipher if they are poisonous or beneficial for you. And the same holds true in our ingredient-listed package world, because not all things listed as foods are actually safe or beneficial for your body. If you have any autoimmune disease or food sensitivities, you know this is true. So, listening to your body, how it feels immediately after you eat or take an herb or supplement, and how you feel a few hours later or over the course of a few days or a few months. Do you feel heavy or light, energized or dull? What sensations do you notice in your body? Do you feel expanded or contracted? And if you're experiencing certain symptoms, tracking them to become more in tune with your body and what works for you and what doesn't. And as I said earlier, I also listen to the musculature of my body. Doing practices of body relaxation, like my deep rest meditation, where you tune into different parts of your body and consciously relax each part, have been really helpful for me and feeling what my body feels like when it's relaxed. Then throughout the day, when I'm working or playing with my son or cooking or driving, I can take a second to tune in. Am I clenching my muscles? Can I release some area of my body that I'm not using right now, like my shoulders or my jaw? Can I sit or stand in a way that better supports my body? Your mind affects your body, but the reverse can also be true, that your body can affect your mind. So sometimes consciously relaxing my physical body will also help to calm my mind. And if you'd like to try my deep rest meditation, you can find it at www.nourishnervousystem.com slash deep rest. Listen to your body as if you were listening to a dear friend. Your body has so much to tell you on so many levels. Even if you're having a hard time in your body for all the different reasons that humans have a hard time in their bodies... Be compassionate with your body. Start slow and listen. So for your small step this week, begin listening to your body. If you have never done this before or this feels overwhelming for you, start really, really small. While you're doing a monotonous task like driving or watching TV or cooking or washing dishes, just take a moment to take a deep breath and focus even just on one area of your body. It could be internal, your your gut, your heart or lungs, or it could be musculature, your shoulders or jaw, for example. And just notice, is there a sensation there? Does it feel warm or cool, contracted or expanded? Is there tension or discomfort or ease? Is there a fluttery or bubbly feeling? 
Whatever is there, just notice without an agenda, without trying to change it. You aren't giving advice. You are just listening to your friend. If you don't notice anything, don't worry. It may just take some practice. So just keep trying and start small, but keep going. And if you're already familiar with the practice of listening to your body, see if you can integrate it more into your daily life, taking moments throughout the day to listen, see what your body's telling you. Well, that's all for today. If you're still listening, thanks for being here. I really do appreciate you. Until next week. Hey there. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review. It helps new podcasts like this one get seen by other people. If you didn't like it, I hope you're not still listening. Life is way too short to listen to podcasts you don't like. 